teams are the number one source of innovation in organizations. So if you want your organization to be innovative, to be creative, you have to focus on developing your teams. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and they call me the Vibrant Coach. And I have a fantastical guest on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. That's what I'm trying to help you do, people. I have Dr. Amy Clymer on the show today. And I am so excited because she is wicked smart. And I have had the privilege of hanging out with her in many a room, just with like my jaw dropped open, listening to the genius coming out of her. I mean, like, and she would never say any of these things, but I can say these things. I'm so glad to have her here. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Amy Clymer is the owner of Clymer Consulting. She is a speaker. We're both in the NSA, National Speakers Association together. And she is a very fancy speaker. She is this thing called a C. SP, Certified Speaking Professional, and she's a coach, so she can sit with you one-on-one and help you. She can sit with you with like your whole team and do the team thing, and she helps people to, don't miss this, innovate on demand. Okay. And like, I know what you're thinking. Oh my gosh, we have so many things we need to change. You should call Amy. She developed the deliberate creative team scale to help teams understand how to increase their creativity. She hosts the deliberate creative podcast and is the designer of climber cards. And it's like got a whole website and everything. So she'll tell you how to find her and create. She does creativity and team building. Uh, She's been doing it in over 45 countries. Okay. Enough. She's amazing already. How are you, Amy? Good to have you here. That was like the most amazing introduction. Oh my gosh. You are right. I would not say those things, but thank you, Nicole. It's really good to be here. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, one of my favorite memories of you is you were so generous and you spoke to the National Speakers Association Carolinas, our, our local chapter here in North Carolina and South Carolina. And she she's she's like supposed to be on at eight in the morning or something i forget what it was and like uh uh, something crazy happened in Asheville, north carolina and like she finally gets on the zoom we're like are you because it's not like amy to be late hello and so we get on there and it's like she's on her neighbor's front porch using the wi-fi i'm like what are you doing so she talked about creativity and innovation she she could have just said y'all i have no internet but she didn't do that she drove across town and sat on her neighbor's porch that, that is true. It's true because it's the middle of COVID, so I couldn't go into her house. And uh, that was all because uh, this construction site, this huge apartment complex burned to the ground. 80,000 people lost internet, but my neighbor had a different provider than I did. So anyway, oh, I went to her house and then later there was a thunderstorm and I'm on the porch. The thunder. It was just a day of mishaps. <laughs> We managed. It was all right. That's right. But, you know, she's advanced. She's got that PhD. She's just like, you know, if you can write a dissertation, you can sit on a front porch in a storm. It's not a thing. That's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm so happy to have you here because, first of all, um, you have this really cool focus uh, in your business around innovation and creativity. And I I fancy myself a creative person. And I think that's really what makes business go around. I mean, like, if you're not reinventing, you're in trouble. So tell us why you have this focus on creativity and innovation in the first place. How'd you get drawn to that? Oh man, there's so many different elements that I think have made me want to get into this. I mean, one of them was just, I don't even know what it was, but when I was a kid, like high school, I would get so frustrated with my friends when they would say, 
oh, I'm not creative. I don't have a creative oh bone God. in my body. And I was like, what? Come on. Like, I didn't really know much about creativity then, but I knew that like we all had this potential to be creative. And fast forward as an adult, I learned a little bit more about this really unique, I guess, story in my family. Um, that I'll, I'll just share maybe a little bit of it. Oh, I would love for you. I think I've heard this, but I want everybody else to. So to tell it. Like you take the time you need, really. Okay. I want to hear. So okay, um, my mom, when she starting about age 15, she started getting these headaches. Mm-hmm. And she went to some doctors and mm, short version of the story is after about 15 years, she kept going to doctors. And oh fi- for 15 years, different doctors all kept saying, oh, honey, you're fine. Just just rest more, relax. You know, it's kind of like the typical what woman women heard in the 60s and 70s. And um, finally, it, it got so bad that she would literally have to sit really still in a dark room for hours because any movement or light was just painstaking. So she and her parents, uh, this was about three months after she married my dad, they got in a motor home. They lived in Orlando, Florida, which is where I grew up drove all the way to Rochester, Minnesota, 1,500 miles to the Mayo Clinic. They get to the Mayo Clinic. They run a couple tests. My mom has a brain tumor. Oh, my word. And they they tell her, we have to operate. We have to remove this. So they did. They operated to move the brain tumor. It was about the size of a small pear at the base of her skull. So, you know, that explains a little bit of some, some excruciating headaches for 15 years. Um, mm-hmm. but there's basically, so she has the surgery, she wakes up a couple days later, she's talking to the doctor and says, um, you know, did I really need to go through all this? Was this necessary? And he said, well, you know, pretty much any day now you were going to go to sleep and not wake up. And wow. so she was fairly close to dying, not maybe not days, but maybe weeks. And two years later I was born. Oh. And when I think back about that story, it's like, All the innovations at the Mayo Clinic that led up to them being able to diagnose her, figure out that the tumor was benign, so there was no cancer. Um, All these pieces that led up to that would never have been possible Mm -hmm. without innovation. And when I think about it now, I'm like, you know what, to me, this is actually personal. Like innovation has literally saved my mother's life so that I could be born. Um, So... Maybe that's a bit dramatic, but uh, I think this stuff is really, really important. Uh, I agree. I agree. And and I think, you know, like life gives you these stories and these ex- this example and this path to get on because, hello, the world needs creativity. So we've got to create this little champion called Dr. Amy Clymer to get it done, you know? And so that's what you're out there in the world doing is championing uh, innovation and creativity. All right. so. I I love this so much. I think it's so important because I mean, I'll know like, you know, Apple and, um, you know, Microsoft, they can't keep the same version of the software going around for very long before we have to get a new one. Right. We got to have a new one. Um, it's really important. So you've sat down with many a team, many an individual. What 
do you do with these teams and with these individuals to help them see their creativity? Now, I know you've got this really cool, you've got a, you've got a chapter and a really cool book coming out. And then you're also, hey, she's writing her own book. Don't miss that. Stay tuned. Um, and she's got these things called climber cards and she's used her personal artistic creativity to create those. So will you talk a little bit about what you do with clients to help them? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a model. I was trying to find a picture of it. Um, A few years ago, I did some research as part of my dissertation. And Mm -hmm. one of the big things that that came out of that is what are the elements that teams need if they want to be creative together? And so I discovered these three factors that are critical for teams to be creative. And, And actually, I should back up and say, teams are the number one source of innovation in organizations. So if you want your organization to be innovative, to be creative, you have to focus on developing your teams. So there's these three elements that teams need. The first is they need to have a clear sense of purpose. What what are we doing together? Why are we meeting every week? What's our point? But that purpose can't be too tight. It's got to be loose enough to allow for some changes and some creative thoughts. Uh, Teams also need to have a strong sense of team dynamics of we can communicate well, we can engage in some healthy conflict, but not too much conflict. And we trust each other. We trust each other, meaning I trust that I can show up as myself and be my my full self with this team. And then the third is teams need to have to know and use a creative process. And that's probably the area that most teams struggle the most with and that I end up doing the most of my work around is because most teams don't even know there is a creative process. And basically what this creative process is, is if you follow this, you will be more innovative. And that's why I say I teach teams how to innovate on demand because it's it, it's actually a little more straightforward than most people think. Mm, that's fantastic. Because you said we use a creative process and you say that's where they fail because we, we were chit-chatting a little bit before this started. We should have captured all of that genius. We should have really done that. But the thing is, is it, I was saying like they have lots of meetings. We have an agenda, but an agenda, hello, everybody, write this down, everybody. An agenda is not a creative process. Okay, there, (laughs) got that clear once and for all. All right, so I love your three things, a clear sense of purpose, a clear sense of team dynamics, and then have and use a creative process. All right, so tell us a little bit about those three things. How, what is that, what, what would a clear sense of purpose be for a team? Sure, sometimes it's obvious what the team's purpose is. So for instance, the marketing team, we're like, well, you know, our job's to market the products or the organization, our services, so forth. Um, right. But sometimes it's not so clear. And, and even I'm, I'm being a little uh, flippant. I mean, some the marketing team still needs to have a conversation and, and clarify there what the purpose is. But uh, for instance, I remember a number of years ago, I was working with an executive team of a company that was about maybe 100, 150 employees. And I asked the team, I said, well, what's the purpose of your executive team? And they kind of looked at me for a minute and said, well, what do you mean? Do you mean like our mission statement? I said, well, that's kind of more the purpose of the whole company. But what about you all? Like, Why do you meet every other week? What's what's your purpose? And they kind of hemmed and hawed and basically couldn't answer the question. So obviously we had some work to do. And it's it's interesting because, you know, almost every company has an executive team. And so figuring out... Right, what we got that C-suite thing going on. <laughs> right, you know? And sometimes it's just as simple as having a conversation and getting getting some clarity around that. 
And then the other thing that can happen with purpose is that often the leaders have a clear sense of what that purpose is, but maybe the team members don't. And so that's where just making sure everybody's on the same page with that uh, can go a long way. Now, I will say more teams than not do have clarity around their purpose. So I end up not actually spending a ton of time on this because most teams have this figured out reasonably well. So that's team purpose. Shall I jump into team dynamics? Yeah, yeah. So let's hear about um, clear team dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to team purpose, teams need to have a strong sense of team dynamics. And team team dynamics are when um, the interactions we have with each other, the behaviors we exhibit with each other, just, you know, how we are together. Three kind of sub areas there that are important is one is our ability to communicate within the team and outside of the team. If we only communicate within, we can get a bit insular. Um, and that's usually when we get more pretty stagnant. And if we're only creating outside, uh, communicating outside, then, you know, obviously then we're not really working together as a team. So communication is important conflict and being, you want to be able to have some conflict, but not, uh, you know, where you're always in conflict and you don't always want to be avoiding it. So it's kind of a sweet spot there. And then Uh trust. We want to be able to trust each other so that we can show up as our full selves. This is the area that most teams, I find they understand this. It doesn't mean they're always doing it well, but they at least get it, you know, knowing that they need to communicate well. I mean, no one listening to this podcast doesn't already know that. Right. Um, right. But that is an area that I tend to do a fair bit of work around. Um, right. So when I was going through school, one of the things that we talked about was like a team contract or something. Mm. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like we're going to agree what our dynamics should be and what they shouldn't be. So everybody kind of knows what how to get in that sweet spot. Yeah. I mean, I think I think a team contract can be a great tool to help develop those dynamics. Um one thing I like about uh, a contract or another word is, you know, guidelines or working agreements or a full value contract, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. What I like about it is it helps make the implicit explicit. Yeah, yeah. And so all of us show up to team, like say the very first team meeting, we're all together for the first time. All of us are showing up with assumptions, whether we know it or not. We're all showing up. We're like, well, this is what I would assume respect looks like, or this is what I assume a team should look like. And so having that conversation that leads to the contract can be really valuable just to talk through like, you know, whatever it is, like, what do you mean by on time? Right? Like some people it's like, we're starting at, you know, three o'clock on the dot and others it's like, well, you know, show up at three and we're going to kick it off about three ten. Either is fine. As long as everyone's on the same page about it, you know? So I think, and that's just one example, but I think, yeah, that conversation can be really helpful. Yeah, a hundred percent because it gets, it, it it removes like the conflict that we don't want to have. <laughs> like, you know, I don't like her. She's always late. We want to get rid of that, right? But we do want the conflict. Like, I think we should do it this way. Well, what if we did it that way, right? We want more of that healthy conflict where we're doing the creative innovative, right? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. So. That first type of conflict you mentioned can also be referred to as relational conflict. We don't mm-hmm. need that, right? No. Nope. We do want the ta- the conflict around the tasks or the concepts. That can be helpful. And we don't want it to the, the 
uh, the nth degree. Like I actually am not a big fan typically of playing the devil's advocate unless that is like, say an activity you're doing together. Like, hey, let's take this idea and let's play devil's advocate for a bit on it. But what I think can be tough is if there's a team member who just like always does that all the time. And I've right. definitely had it's team their members- their thing, their shtick. Right. And I've had this before where a team member was like really pushing back. And then in the conversation, I found out that they didn't actually even agree with what they're saying. They're like, oh no, I'm just playing, playing devil's advocate. I actually agree with the idea. But it had created like 30 minutes of just mess. We're just like, oh, this was not helpful. We, this is <laughs> and we're all angry right, right. now. We've <laughs> lost our emotional intelligence. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so anyway, yeah, I think uh, there, there's a sweet spot there with the conflict. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. That's awesome. And then, of course, we need trust, right? Like, so, you know, uh, and again, if you're just playing devil's advocate to be irritating, then we don't trust you anymore. Is he going to do that next time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's like a really close connection there with the trust and, right. and the conflict. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've all, we've all been in those bad brainstorming sessions where somebody's like, no, we did that in 1984 and it didn't work. You're like, oh dear. (laughs) Okay. Well, it is 20, 30 years later now. Anyway, yeah, people are stuck. And, and, you know, here's what, here's what you can do. Please have Amy come in to help your team get unstuck. Hello. We want to innovate past 1994. All right. So then the third thing is we got to use a creative process. And really that's your sweet spot, right? That's the stuff that like Amy can tell you actually how to do that. So we talk about what it means to have a creative process. Yeah. So um, there's a number of processes out there that are basically all very similar that, you're finding some sort of problem or challenge and you're generating potential ideas and then you're implementing those ideas. So that's like the super simple version of every process. So some names listeners might be familiar with, creative problem solving, design thinking, human-centered design. There's some that are less popular like Synectics and Triz. These are all basically very similar. If you lay them on top of each other, they have sort of more or less different names for the same thing. Okay. It doesn't matter which one you use. Um, there's some pros and cons, but for the most part, I use the creative, creative problem solving process. I find it's um, really easy to get and understand. So um, for anyone who's watching via video, this is what it looks like. And there's four stages to it. And it's based on how we as humans naturally solve problems. So I'll just walk through the four stages really briefly. Yeah, I love um, that. We start off with clarify and clarifying like what's the problem, what's the challenge. So a good example is, you know, March 2020, the pandemic hits, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. wow, we cannot do business in person. And so let's say a restaurant needs to clarify, well, what are we trying to do here? What's our goal? Are we trying to get back in person as soon as possible? Are we... Yeah, this is where you start asking a lot of questions. Like, what is possible? Can we get takeout containers? Do we have the staff to do this? Like, can we do this safely? And so the clarify stages, you're asking lots of questions. And then from there, uh, hopefully you, you, you end up with like one big question. You know, how might we continue to thrive in the midst of this pandemic? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a little more specific. And then from there, you start generating ideas well, what are all the ways we might 
do this? Well, what are all the ways we might thrive in the midst of the pandemic? And what I find is a limitation is that a lot of companies and teams, they generate a few ideas, four, five, six, maybe 10. You know, that's a start, but that's probably more like a grocery list. I'm talking like 100 ideas, 150 ideas. And most people like balk at that, but it's actually really easy for a team to come up with 100 plus ideas in less than an hour. So it doesn't take a lot of time if you're using a variety of techniques. Um, Now, anyway, some of those ideas aren't going to be good. They're just they just don't fit or they're eh, they're not that for whatever reason not going to be that good but if 10% of those 100 ideas are good you now have 10 really good ideas that you didn't have at the beginning and so that hour of time could like solid investment total solid investment i mean you are definitely going to make make way more money on those ideas than you did paying those staff for that hour right 100% and if you put money in the stock market and got a 10% return, you'd be delighted. Exactly. That's what I know, right? So it's the same same principle. Okay. Exactly. I love it. Great comparison. Yeah. So then you take those best ideas. And what I like to say is, you know, an idea first comes out of our head, it, it basically will like fit on a post-it note. I mean, it, it it's just a sentence. It doesn't mean anything yet. So then we develop the ideas further. And that's where you're looking at like, okay, well, if we were to do this, what would this mean? How much would this cost? Is this legal? Do we have, we need a permit for this? (laughs) Wait, excuse me. That's a very important question, people. All right, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Good one to ask. I mean, depends on your business, but. (laughs) That's right. Please have integrity. (laughs) Um, That's right. So you, so you start developing these ideas and, and exploring them a bit more. And then finally you implement them or one of them. And I recommend, if you can, start small with that implementation. You don't have to go full on, but is there a way to prototype it? And then from there, you're implementing and then you're clarifying again. Oh, how did that go? Did it work? And it's, again, it's just a cyclical process that you do over and over again. Yeah. And so that's the basics of it, of the creative problem solving process and how to use a creative process within your team. Mm, that's fantastic. So let me tell you what she said, because you're like, wait, I missed one. So what the first thing is that she uses this um, process called creative problem solving process. So write that down. Okay. And then she's putting it up on the screen again. And then it has four stages. Clarify. You should end up with one big, amazing question after that. Then you generate 100 to 150 ideas. So you get a 10% return. You get 10 good ones. Then you develop what you're going to do, who, what, when, where, how, why, and then you implement it, prototype it. All right. Very good. So I love that. So there's your little creative process. All right. So I'm curious, tell me, tell me a story or a time where you took a team through this and they had like a big win. I got to think you've had like a big win or you're like, like, we can't even believe we did this. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I just had one happen a couple months ago, which was really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I was working with, um, I I think it's okay for me to share even details in this case. So I was working with my local city, uh, the city of Asheville, and they were applying for a grant that would... Uh, this grant was all about changing monuments in public spaces. And so we have in downtown Asheville, we have this massive, huge monument to um, a Civil War person. And that got taken down. 
And now it's like, okay, now what, what can we put here instead? And we, it's actually like this huge square that, you know, there's like a fountain and people come and hang out and it's actually a pretty cool space. And so they wanted yes. to look at like, well, how could we transform this entire space? Not just where the monument was, but this whole space to really think differently around the history that we're talking about in, in our city. And um, so they had done a number of things to generate some ideas, but they they kind of were like, well, we want to take this a bit further. So they brought me in and I spent time with about uh, 10 or 12 of them. We did a little bit of clarification, um, but they had done a lot of that before I met with them. And then we generated ideas and they already had some created, but we built on that and we got... I don't know, a couple hundred ideas in a pretty short time. And then we narrowed those down. To like, what are these? Be- what are the best ones? They went back and wrote up a report, applied for a grant, and they moved to the next phase of the grant process. The, the organization really liked them. And I don't, it's not final, final. We haven't gotten the money yet, but um, it's moved along. I don't know what'll happen by the time this podcast is aired, but uh, they were thrilled. Because they got a win. Yeah, they were just super excited. And even before they knew, um, they they just, the feedback to me was really positive. I felt very grateful. Um, But yeah, we helped. So the big thing in that example is we generated more ideas and we got uh, more clarity around which ones were the best ideas that made the most sense to look at. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we just like to do a public announcement that if you've never been to Asheville, North Carolina, you're really, really missing out. Okay. So I don't know where you're listening from, but please put this on your list of places to go. Um, and uh, just by the way, do you know the gal? Her name is Kay and she runs the Asheville rooftop bar tour. Do you know about this? I think I have met her once. I don't know her well. <laughs> <laughs> I had her on. She's been on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast, everybody. Uh, so if you'll go to the early, early episodes, she was a guest. And the reason why I had her on the show is because she was a postal service worker for, I don't know, 100 years or whatever it was. And she retired and she ran, don't miss this, she ran the same route all those years. Are oh you with me? Oh my gosh. Same mailbox, waving at the same people, same dogs barking at her, the whole shot. And then she retired and now she runs the Asheville Rooftop Bar Tour and she is fantastic. So you go to the, and Asheville is so beautiful. It's in the mountains of North Carolina, everybody. And you go there and she takes you up on the rooftop and you have the little cocktail and you have the little appetizer. And then she tells you all about what you're looking at off the rooftop. It's fantastic. And now Amy... And uh, all the folks at the city of Asheville are going to have a beautiful thing for you to look off. I bet you, I bet you from one rooftop bar, you can see the, the square you're talking about. That's what I'm thinking. I bet you anyway, can, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I digress. But anyways, I love Asheville and you got to go. All right. So the, you said that um, you helped them get creative. Now, my guess is, tell me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong, that maybe you used your climber cards with this team. Is yes. that one of the, the tricks in your pocket? You pulled out your deck of cards? We did. Right. We did use climber cards. Um, so climber cards are this deck of cards that I created. And they're all, there's at a glance, it just looks like, you know, a little deck of playing cards. Um, and they're all, there's all these images that are paintings that I did. There's little kind of, um, I don't know, sort of like whimsical, iconic watercolor paintings. And 
I created these back in 2012 initially. I actually got them funded on a Kickstarter campaign, which is a really cool experience. And yeah, it was really cool. It was a great way to like test your product, you know, like, so you're getting into this implementation stage and you're trying to see like, um, is this actually worth anything? And Kickstarter will tell you. So apparently mine was, it got funded. And so people vote with their dollars, don't they? They do. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's almost like a way for them to pre-purchase the product before it's created, but there's no risk to them because if you don't make enough money to actually get the product created, they get all their money back. Um, so this is a brilliant model. But the way we use them in this example with the city, which is a pretty typical way I use them, is what happens is when you're generating ideas is you start off and, and first of all, I don't... I don't use brainstorming and we can get back. We can come back to that, but it's just not that. Okay. I'm making a note brainstorming. I don't use it. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) We start off and we're, we're writing all these ideas down on post-it notes and inevitably, you know, after a pretty short time, five plus minutes, you can see people's pens are slowing down and they're starting to look around and they're sort of running out of ideas. Mm -hmm. And this is a normal human experience. So the the tip, the, the trick, I guess, to getting more ideas is just to do a different technique. And so what I use are climber cards where we spread all these images out on the table. And I say, okay, looking at these images, use these images to spark more ideas. And this is where people start getting a little like wacky and wild and uh, a little- oh, I love wacky and wild. Whatever. Yeah. And, but it's really fun. Um, and some, this is also where some of the ideas just like get a little too wild almost, which I know sometimes that frustrates people, but the point to that is that ridiculous idea might spark something else. That's actually not so ridiculous. And so we just let it flow. Like, yeah, bring it on. You know, we'll, we'll evaluate all these later. Yeah. And so then that, um, generates lots more ideas. That's right. Well, it's kind of like, um, I, I would think the process is a little bit like the dial, right? You know, it gets wild and wacky and it's like, oh, I know that's crazy, but how about this? Right. So we're, we're, we're probably self-analyzing the guy next to you is analyzing and helping you out. So, um, I think that's fantastic. So when, when you use the cards, you know, you use the image to talk about how this image might represent what we could do in the square in Asheville and that kind of thing. Yeah. So for instance, like, all right, let me just pull one up here. Um, yeah. Just right. Give us one little teeny tiny example. Cause, and then tell us where to find these things. Oh, look at this octopus. All right. So this is an octopus, just a little simple drawing of an octopus. And so it could be like looking, just using this, like what ideas get sparked because of this octopus. Now people could get really literal be like, well, I think we should have an aquarium in the center where we actually have an octopus in the aquarium. Okay, cool. Um, right. or it might be... freeze. It's the mountains. Anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's got to go inside in the summer, in the winter, but, um, That's right. or it might be like, well, what if we had like the, took the whole square and divided it into eight pieces and each of those eight pieces represented something different. And then somebody else might say, oh yeah. And then those eight pieces, we could align with the uh, seasons or the, the sub seasons or whatever, or, I mean, I don't know, I'm making this up on the spot, but it just, it doesn't even matter what people say because all these images spark new ideas that they never would have thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I do remember now, I am, this, there's a giraffe here I'm holding up mm-hmm. and- He's cute. <laughs> I, I like him. He's a little fat. <laughs> oh, well, he looks like me. Anyway. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're going to see these pretty soon in Africa. 
<laughs> I know. I'm going to Africa, everybody. Send me some tips. Okay, South Africa. So this image with this, the giraffe, people started thinking of like, oh, what if we made some things that were really tall? And so I think before people were thinking of stuff at like, you know, the human height, you know, like first floor height. And then all of a sudden they started thinking about like, oh, what if we had something that like these poles that went up like two to three stories and that, yeah, you know, created something new. Um, So yeah, those are just some examples of how to use climber cards to spark more ideas. Right, right. I love that. Well, so that's that's her creative problems, creative problem solving process. And one of the things she does to um, get that generating ideas going is her climber cards, right? And so you can go to climbercards.com. Do I have my story straight? You do. do. And when you're okay. typing that in, there's no B in the word climber. So it's C L I M E R. C-A-R-D-S. Okay, so important to get the spelling right. Okay, that's fantastic. Now, one of the other things I think that that my assumption is, we know what happens when you assume, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to let it rip anyways, is that you uh, have been part of this book about how to be um, more dynamic and more effective in virtual meetings. Do I have my story right there? Yeah, what, tell us the name of the book and tell us how you got involved. And then let's talk about your chapter in the book for a hot minute. All right. So the book's called Virtual Facilitation, and it's a compilation of, I believe, 29 contributors. So I was one of them. And it was kind of cool. This guy's name is John Berkeley. He was one of the editors. He, when the pandemic started in 2020, he just gathered up some other facilitators and said, hey, do y'all want to just jump on Zoom once a, I think it was once a week initially, and just practice stuff around facilitating virtually. And so this group formed, I actually wasn't a part of it initially. And later I jumped in and joined the group. And the rule in the group was you could only present something to the group that you had never done before. And so it was all about practicing, like trying on different things. I love it. Yeah, it was a really cool concept because, you know, we didn't need everyone to show off what they did. We wanted to like dig in and, and make it real. So, um, the group actually, before I got involved, had written a book. Um, and then when I came along, that had been going for a while. And so they were on their second book and I, I was invited to write a chapter. So I wrote a chapter on the power of metaphors. And one of the things that I did during the pandemic was I turned the physical deck of Climber Cards into a virtual web-based app. And it's pretty robust, if I must say. Um, I really- oh, yeah. It's really cool. It's way beyond just like, oh, here's a PDF of your of virtual of climber cards so you can use them virtually. It's this fully interactive tool that people are still using. Um, it's it, and it's designed. You can use it in the way I talked about. So if you're doing a virtual ideation session, you can um, use use the virtual climber cards app. But it's also for it's actually great for coaches or team leaders who want to go deeper in conversations with their groups or in a one-on-one. And so the deck of cards is all designed around metaphors. And so you ask a question. So let's say you're coaching somebody and you want, I don't know, what's an example of like a question you might start off a coaching session with? The question I use is, what is it like to experience you? Mm, Okay. So in this case, you would say, select a card that represents what it's like to experience you. 
And then there's 50 cards in there. They scroll through, they click on one. Um, they can type in their name and like a sentence of why they chose the card. And then if there's a big group, let's say you're asking this of everyone, say there's 10 people, then you can see, everybody can see each other's responses. And then oh, you know, from wow. there, you can talk as a group or go into breakout rooms or whatever. Um, and what happens is when people respond with the image, they say different things than they would have said without the images. And I agree. Mm-hmm. yeah, they tend to get more specific, more focused. They don't tend to ramble as much. Uh, sometimes they go deeper than what they would have said um, without the images. Um, so it's it's pretty cool to watch, actually. I bet it is. I bet it is. All right. And so we can we can figure that all out too over on C-L-I-M-E-R-C-A-R-D-S.com. Clamercars.com. Right. Yeah. And so the image acts as a metaphor. And you know, her chapter in the book uh is so great. It's the power of metaphors. And you said in here, metaphors and analogies allow us to make sense of one thing by relating it to another. And I don't know. Um, I, I think that we need some help sometimes because we have these brains that I mean, if we don't give it something to focus on, it will be all over the place. I mean, it's like, you know, what do they call it? Monkey mind, Mm. you know, whatever. I'm overwhelmed. This kind of gives gives you a focus place. Um, So you share a lot about uh, the power of metaphor. So what happens to people when they they use the card and they realize they're they're this way or they're that way or a team uses it to kind of identify what what happens with the team when they use these metaphor cards? I think the biggest thing is they start, it helps them communicate with each other, understand each other better. Yeah. And so, you know, we use metaphors all the time. I mean, even in some like really common phrase, like, oh, it was green with envy. It's like green, you weren't really green. That's actually a, uh, you know, a a metaphor that we tend, like somehow we get that, right? And that's actually, maybe that's even a little bit of a nebulous one. But if you start saying something like, oh, well, such and such is sort of like a flower where you plant it in the ground, it's just a seed and then it starts growing and you have to water and if you ignore it, it's going to die. And and it's like, oh, boom, all of a sudden we understand each other. Right, that's like an employee that you don't onboard correctly. Right, they they start wilting away, right? Like a flower. They do, the and you're like, where'd they go? They quit because nobody paid attention to them and they never got direction and they're frustrated. So they left nope. the building. <laughs> I do have one plan in my office right now that unfortunately I have ignored and it's looking pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we have got to let you go so you can go water that thing. All right, so, well, I want to go back because I took a note and we cannot let it, you know, people are like, go back to the brainstorming thing. I thought brainstorming was good. Why is, Dr. Amy Klamer, why is brainstorming not any good? Why, or why you know, what, what, tell us about that. We were taught that like in MBA school and everything. Thing. Tell us about mm-hmm. that. Well, <laughs> not not to smack down MBA school, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, no. Okay, so first of all, there's some confusion about what brainstorming is. So I just want to clarify that. Okay. Perfect. Brainstorming is a technique to generate ideas, but is not. It's not ideation. So ideation is like the heading. Brainstorming would be a subheading as one technique, and then there's a hundred other techniques you can use. So when I talk about brainstorming, specifically, I mean a group of people sitting around a table or standing or whatever, but they're verbally sharing ideas as they come to their, as they pop in their head. So they're just like, boom, 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 verbally sharing. Now this can work in some situations, but here's some of the downsides and won't get into all this research, but I'll just point out a couple. 
one of the things that happens is that the first idea that's shared, everyone thinks like, oh, that's the direction we're going. Okay. Oh, yeah. Group and everyone starts kicking in. Right. And everyone starts following in that sort of that category of that direction, even though they had this idea that was completely off the wall in another direction, which might have been excellent. But then right. there's like a little hesitation to share it. So that's one of the things that happens. And the other, just the, the obvious, I think most of us have experienced before is not all the voices are heard the same, right? Like some people generate ideas really fast. I actually tend to be one of those people and I can 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 get caught up and just, you know, shouting out ideas and forgetting like, oh, wait, there's some other people that maybe aren't as comfortable shouting out their idea. Or if you have, you know, different dynamics, like you have the boss in the room, then the boss's idea is going to carry more weight and people are going to think, well, mine's not as good as the boss's idea, right? Right. If you instead just start off quietly writing, write down the ideas, everyone's quietly writing on their own. It can be on, um, you can do this digitally. You'd open up a Google Doc or something uh, or post-it notes or whatever. And now all of a sudden the ideas, first of all, they're a lot more equal. Because we may may not even know who said what and hopefully don't even care. Um, And it also means that right from the beginning, you're going to have more diverse ideas and you're not going to get stuck going down one direction. Um, Mm, So teams can get, yeah. And teams can get really good at brainstorming, but it does take a fair bit of practice and discipline. And so that's why I tend to avoid it that unless I'm working with a team for a long time, let's just skip that and get into some other techniques. Right, right. Yeah, and I'm I'm really kind of going back to what you said about the three things you got to do. You got to have the right team dynamics and that sounds like all the wrong team dynamics. Group think and let's honor what the boss says and we're not as smart as him or her or whatever's going on there. All right, so I absolutely love that. Now, you've mentioned a couple of times about other techniques. So brainstorming, but only if you start quietly on your own and then bring it out. Um, Of course, using your climber cards. Can you share maybe one more innovation creativity technique that maybe we might investigate or you could help us with? Sure. Yeah. Actually, one of the things that uh, has come up at least once today when we've been talking already is this idea of assumptions, right? So we we all all make assumptions all the time, every day. And, And most of the time, these assumptions are fairly benign and they might even help keep us safe and healthy and they can be good. But often when you're looking at a challenge, there's assumptions baked into that, that we don't even realize. So an example of an assumption that I found kind of bumping up against in the pandemic is, so I have this background uh, before getting into creativity work was around team building. And I've led, I can't even tell you how many thousands of hours of team building programs and so I know all these team building activities, right? And, and some of them are great. Some of them are bad. Which I love. I love <laughs> yeah. team building activities. Let's have you back and talk about that. I love that stuff. So there were so many people, facilitators, who were trying to take those exact activities and do them virtually. And soon we started like questioning the assumption, like, well, would it be better instead of like doing this exact activity virtually, just scrap that and create a whole new activity? that actually lends itself better to this virtual space. Um, You know, some activities translated well, but some didn't. And it wasn't until letting go of that assumption that we have to do the same activity that that allowed us to start looking at, you know, new ideas. 
So one of the things that I try to do with my clients is to look at, well, what are the assumptions behind this? And then what happens, this is, it's almost like a game. If we take these assumptions and we reverse the assumption, then what? So I don't know why I mentioned restaurants earlier, but I'll go with that again here. And that because she's hungry. If, it is maybe. 5.18. <laughs> <laughs> We're both hungry. Dry, right? I, heard, I heard her stomach growling, actually. We're going to, okay. You heard so, that? Anyways. <laughs> and, and let's just say, if you live in Nashville, I mean, it's going to take her like an hour to figure out where to eat if she's going out because there's so many good places to eat. Anyways, I digress. Okay, so that reverse the assumptions. Restaurants. Yeah. So <laughs> what if you were to reverse the assumption that a restaurant made the food for you? And if you reverse that, what if you show up to a restaurant and make your own food? And like, there's this Love restaurant, it. there's this restaurant and I'm blanking on, I want to say it's, it's, it's in a spring. It's at a spring in central Florida. I grew up in Orlando and we'd go to this, this really amazing spring, like freshwater spring. And they had this restaurant where every table had this huge griddle and they just brought you pancake batter and they brought Stop. you raw eggs and, you know, you want eggs, you just make your own eggs, right? And, you know, you get your whole family there, you're all cooking breakfast together. And, you and know, when I think about it- Everybody's having a ball. It was so fun. And I was thinking, we probably paid more than if they made the food for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you're, and, you know, and you're like, we could have done this at home, but it was way more fun in public. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to do the cleaning. So that's good. <laughs> That's right. That is fantastic. A lot of ideas can come from being willing to like suspend the assumptions for a little bit. That's fantastic. All right, people, you have had a major download. And, you know, one thing that I did not do at the top of the show is uh, I do, I'm searching for um, ideas and and definitions of leadership. Mm. And so I don't want to get away from this call because we've got Dr. Amy Clymer here, who's a major brain trust. So, and she goes out, works with all these leaders, gets them to be creative and innovative and get out of their own way and get a clear sense of purpose and get their team dynamics and get a creative process in place. She does amazing things, but what's, what, what's your definition of leadership? What makes somebody great? Oh, that's, that's a good question. See, I think you should just have people pick a card of what their definition of leadership is. I love that. That's right. Uh, this card represents. That's right. Yeah. So I think it's funny. I, I just was talking to somebody yesterday about the same question. Um, yeah. So I should have come more prepared, but I just, from the top of my head. I no, think no, you a, got a lot to share. Just let it rip. So a couple thoughts. I think there's a couple pieces, well, more than a couple, but a few pieces. But one of them is this visionary piece, you know, like, you yes. know, I think the leader is about, I, I think about, you know, um, like somebody on watch on a sailboat, you know, and they're climb up to the top of the mask and like they can see the furthest and, or, you know, up on the top of a mountain and like you can see things that other people lower down in the organization can't see just because that's not their job to see them. Um, but then right. the challenge is that I see a lot with leaders is they, they can see that they have this vision, they're super excited about it. They believe in it so deeply and then being able to translate that and like break it down and for everyone else to get that sometimes is the hardest part. And so I think that's a really important piece of that leadership is being able to communicate that vision and, and sort of rally everyone and get them motivated and excited and then taking those steps to actually bring it into reality. Um, yeah. So I got a vision. Here's a vision. So be the leader that has the vision, right? You're a visionary, but then 
you do all of this creative process, creative problem solving process to figure out how do you go from big picture to front line, mm-hmm. right? And you, and so I, I picked my card in my mind. So I'm picking the giraffe as my definition of leadership, everybody. So she had the little, remember the cute little uh, chubby uh, giraffe. Okay. So that's Nicole Greer. That's her definition of leadership. And you know what, it, what I think it is sticking your neck out. Mm-hmm. There it is. Look at that. That giraffe is like, I'll just stick my neck out here and let's give it a whirl, right? And that's what leaders need to do. So leaders listening, here's what I want you to do. Stick your neck out. Actually, put your fingers on the keyboard. um, Go and check out um, www.climbercards.com. And then if they wanted to find out more about you personally, uh, Dr. Amy Clymer, where would they go? They can go to climberconsulting.com. So same spelling, C-L-I-M-E-R consulting.com. And you'll learn more about my programs and keynotes that I do and so forth. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, or, you know, here's what you do. Load your people up, take them to Asheville (laughs) on Friday and let them stay on Saturday. You'll be the most loved and adored leader of all time. I'm just saying. And so then again, tell us about the book. Uh, When when is it going to be out? The one about the virtual. The virtual facilitation book is already out. It came out January, 2023. Yes. It's on back order though or something. No, it, it was. It's, it's fully in stock. You can uh, order. Oh, hot, from, hot dang. Yes. You can order from either website, climbercards.com or Climber Consulting. Uh, I think you could also get it on Amazon as well and probably some other places. Um, yeah, I'm, I am writing another book that will be out 2024, which is about innovation and teams with basically a lot of the stuff we talked about. So look for that in late 2024, I, th- I think. I think that's what it'll be on. Okay. Well, when that sucker hits the Amazon, let's do this again and talk it through. Okay. I would love to Sounds do that. Great. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you so much. I know you thoroughly enjoyed your time with Dr. Amy Clymer and with me, Nicole Greer, the Vibrant Coach. So here's what we would love for you to do. Go down and like this episode. Just real quick, hit the like button. Takes a hot second. Do that. Maybe make a comment. That's helpful for us. And then uh, both Amy and I can be found over on the LinkedIn. Nicole Greer and Amy Clymer. Dr. Amy Clymer would love to be linked in with you. Thanks so much, Amy, for being on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. It's been a delight. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com.